Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. All right, we're back to email overload after a little bit of curves in the show where I talked about struggling, I talked about life being a challenge, and I talked about hope. And I felt really compelled to discuss that because we so think that people, especially, you know, and I talk about the highlight reels, we think that people don't have those difficulties or if they're successful and that's been put upon me as well. And so being able to realize that you're not the only one and you can have difficult days and also have good days and it can happen all the same time or it can happen the same week or in the same month. So I wanted to share that with you. And now I'm coming back to you about email overload. (laughs) Oh man, you guys, it is a topic, right? Like the overworking that so many of my clients have to deal with. And so much of it is about communication and emails is such a big problem. And it's all interlaced with boundaries and what we believe that we're allowed to do. So I'm going to talk about this today. So here's the thing. I have my own resistance to new things. I get it. I, I, you know, I can learn something and go, Hmm, okay. I can read it and not get in it. And then one day <laughs> it starts to make some sense to me. And here's what I know. It's like a clearing of clouds and I see the glorious sky. And so just to give you some updates, like there was that struggling that I was going through last month. And one of the things that I came to realizing was, Oh, The struggle's not bad. I'm going through my own personal evolution, right? I'm going through my own checking in with my identity and how do I see myself and outgrowing some old identities that were prison walls that I had and they were prison walls and they also kept me safe. Prison walls don't have to be a bad thing. And I was going through my own shifts and that was part of that struggle, right? And that was part of that change I was going through. And the same thing what I'm talking about here is, is that one day it starts to make sense and it's like a clearing of the clouds and I can see the glorious sky and it may not be that dramatic, right? So maybe you have a resistance like, Corinne, you don't understand. (laughs) This is what I have to do. These are the emails and I'm, you know, 700 emails behind as of today. I get it. I hear you. And Maybe there'll be a clearing of the clouds one day. It might not be today. It may be in three years. And I kid you not, this happens with my clients. You know, when we first start to talk about boundaries, there's a lot of resistance. I get it because there's all this other stuff that's going on inside. So I'm going to talk about that today. So back in 2020 during shelter in place, you know, I was leading through that time and it was challenging. It was vulnerable and it took a lot of courage and I was supporting my clients. I was leading a youth swim team without a pool through that time. And I was responsible for employees and payroll and, you know, supporting my clients. And there was a lot, a lot of heavy lifting emotionally for others that I was doing at that time. And I was in, 
right? Like I'm, I was all in and I had to set boundaries, right? And some of it I had to set boundaries because there were county protocols that I had to set. I had to set boundaries and there were so many voices in the back of my head. You're being mean. You're being difficult. You're being a bitch, right? And that is when (laughs) this phrase that I had resistance to for a number of years came into clarity for me. It was the clearing of the clouds. It was like, oh, now I get what Brene Brown's talking about when she says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. 2020, 2021, and even 2022, that became my mantra. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And what I learned from that is that our communication styles and preferences and needs are very unclear. And actually, it's not even just from that. Like I've known this, I've been working on this for probably 13 years just in as technology has evolved. Because the one thing I know for sure is email is overwhelming. And like I said earlier, it's a constant topic that I come across, whether with clients that I'm working with, when I go into companies and work with them and facilitate trainings, that's always the difficulty is how do you manage this? How do you do this and then take care of all the other aspects of your life? When I go to speak, these are the questions that I ask. It's like, oh, great. It's great to have boundaries. How do I really do that in real life? It's great to hear talk about this, but how do I do this? This conversation comes up in personal life, you know, in one-off conversations all the time. Email, email, email. So let's, let's take a moment. I grew up with a dial phone. Remember those? For those of you, you know, you know, the dial phone where you'd put in the number seven, you'd have to roll it, spin it, and then have to spin back, right? A dial phone and no answering machine. And if someone called and you weren't home, there's no answer. It was now their responsibility to make sure they reached back out to you. There's no missed call. There's no voicemail that you have to spend time with. No extra work to dig out of. It was on the responsibility of the person trying to get a hold of you. And then the social conditioning began, at least for my generation, right? For those, it's been this ongoing evolution, but going from a dial phone to then having the answering machine. And if you know, you know, the answering machine, the excitement, the dopamine hit. We were so excited to see you called. And really, we were excited because we're like, oh, they love me. There are people out there that want, that want to be connected to me, right? It's that little dopamine hit that has landed us where we are today in 2023. And then I remember about seventh grade, the call waiting. Oh, what a delight that was. And that feeling popular, right? Because that's a cultural standard of success that we have. Like when people call you, when having friends call you, and then you'd have to ask your other friend, can you hold for a second? There's somebody calling. And that rush of like, look, there's all these people that are trying to get to me. This is all the conditioning that we've had to get us to the shit show where we are today. And it also taught us on the other end to not be patient and the need for immediacy. I'm calling you and because I'm calling you and I'm important enough, you'll answer and listen to me versus getting that busy signal and no one knows I called. And then that means I have to be responsible and call again. 
we started this and then there was the voicemail. So not even just the answer machine, but the voicemail was like, ta-da, here's great. Like somebody can go to voicemail and so they can leave a message. And that feels better for me that the person leaving the message, because now I've given the responsibility to somebody else. And then that's starting the burden of, oh no, here's more that I have to get through and dig out of. The delight of messages shifting to the burden of digging out of messages. That's where we went. And it goes to the subtle conditioning of, we need to be available. We need to be reachable. We need to be responsible to get back to somebody. We need to be all things to people. And then if you're in business and work, it's like, well, if if I'm not out there hustling, if I'm not out there doing this, then I'm going to lose this business, or I'm going to be thought of not as a hard worker or as a team player, right? And this is all approval whoring bullshit. And we need to be aware of this. So that's the phone. And then if you remember, I don't remember the year, but it was in in the 90s, late 90s, AOL came along. Remember that? I remember like, wow, that's so cool to do the dial up and get in and be like, wow, it was really slow to do the internet. I didn't quite understand like why you would do web surfing because you could just pick up a magazine and be faster, which is so funny to say now, right? Because we magazines are drying up and we go to the internet because it's faster than waiting for your magazine to come the next month. But AOL came along and that email, remember, you've got mail. That's such a delightful sound. It's like, oh, somebody likes me, right? It's that dopamine hit. It was exciting to have email. And it was exciting to have, I can't remember that instant messenger where it was like, oh, I'm going to put myself available because maybe somebody else will be available and then we can chat there. It was all this dopamine hit. And now we're like over connected and we're hiding away because we don't want people to see us and be able to reach us all the time. But this is the 90s. So now here we are with email being overwhelmed. We have voicemails, right? And some people have said, okay, that's overwhelming. So I'm going to go to a new system. I'm going to go to Slack. I'm going to go to Teams. Texting, these will be better solutions. The problem is, is that we're going to it, while it may be a different technical arena, there aren't systems in place. There aren't boundaries in place. And so eventually the same things happen. And then for some of my clients, what happens is they have multiple channels for people to get a hold of them and they have no systems. And so they're being pinged all day long and then they're doing their work at night, right? We need to do our work during the daytime hours and be available to people during certain hours, but we can't always be available to people. It depends on your job. It depends on your scope of work. It depends on your responsibilities. Everybody has their own innate structure. And they have to listen to also how does it work for them and how does it work within their environment, right? This is what's really important. The problem is with all these different channels, there's now this incessant notification from others, which can be interpreted as demands and ASAP. And there are people that like to even say ASAP when does it really need to be ASAP? (laughs) It needs to be ASAP because they're anxious and they need to know and they want you to be responsible for their emotions. And so they're saying, get to this me ASAP versus having the discernment of what is the deadline? What may be going on for you? What do we need to get done? What is the project management of it instead of being reactionary? Everything is ASAP. If everything is important, nothing is important. Back in the 2000s, in the late 2000s, there were lots of productivity experts, you know, that started talking about email 
and you know, the inbox zero. And I tried and completely failed with that. And then the other side is which account <laughs> did you inbox zero? Because those of us that have lots of accounts, I have, I have so many, right? How do I do inbox zero? It just, it, it's unsustainable. It's like thinking that the laundry will be finished. I'll never have to do laundry. It's much less now, but when I had children, especially toddlers, there was lots and lots of laundry. Now that I'm an empty nester, there's much less in the laundry. So back then though, it was like, okay, I can't get to inbox zero. So I'm just going to be on top of it. I'll have a Blackberry. Remember those? It's like, I'll just respond right away. I'll get the email and respond right away. Like, get it done quickly. This is productive. This is efficient. (laughs) The dark side of that is that we further eliminated our boundaries with time away from the computer to always being available, as well as getting a dopamine hit when someone sent us an email. And a dopamine hit of like, look at me, I'm really important. I'm getting those emails and look at me. I'm such a badass because I'm taking care of them. But maybe I'm in line with my kid at preschool and I'm doing this. Like I think about that. It's like, wow, I wasn't present for that. I thought I could multitask that. And it goes back to that, you know, remember the AOL, you've got mail days, all this dopamine hit, all this social conditioning that we've had along the time. And then after the BlackBerry, right, those of us that delved into the iPhone or the Android or whatever it is, the smartphone, which I believe is making us dumber, but then this iPhone, it was even more ways for others to get a hold of us. There's email. Finally, with the iPhone, I started to understand what that text function was. I didn't understand it in my BlackBerry, but it's like, oh, texting, right? And it was like, oh, and then now what's happening is we're also buried in email that people prefer to text. Because that's like, that's like the bat line of, I need you now before discerning, is it really that important? And what is this channel for? How best to use this channel? And then because we have a smartphone that does more than just email and text and call people, there's social media, there's the DMs, there's the Facebook messengers, there's the LinkedIn messengers, there's all this other stuff. And then let's not forget about what sold us on the iPhone or sold me. It was like, oh, the voicemail transcription. You all, I think I have like 40 voicemails (laughs) in my inbox. So we have email, text, social media, voicemail transcriptions. Maybe you have Slack on your phone. You have your different ways that people can ping you, right? And you wonder why you're feeling overwhelmed. And I'm just talking about work. There's also home email. If you have kids that are in activities and schools, there's all those emails. I have two kids in college and I get college emails for some reason, right? It's all a lot. We have information overload. There's so much information that's coming to us. And the invisible unsaid demand is that if you care, you'll respond right away, right? That is the invisible and unsaid demand that's typically attached and why we, you know, feel so overwhelmed with emails because That's what we've been taught. That's what we know some people expect. And this is what we need to clear up before we move forward. Because here's the thing, my friend, we are all humans on the other side of these communication platforms. Let me say that again. We are humans on the other side of these communication platforms. And in our day-to-day lives, we have lives filled with our own self and health, our own health our family, our work, community, friends, 
and extracurricular activities. We have a lot going on. And we have strong cultural programming that successful people are busy. Being a good parent means having kids who have lots and lots and lots of opportunities because we want better for them than we had for ourselves. Our lives are fulls and we have demanding jobs. We know how to be busy. We are proving how hard we work. And oftentimes it comes through via work emails and meetings. Now, one of the issues, one of the obstacles with work emails that happen, and I hear about all the time, again, from my clients, when I go work in companies, when I go to speaking engagements, is that being CC'd with everyone on the list, right? It's the cover your ass. Like, okay, well, I want to make sure everybody's included because I, I don't want to get in trouble, right? There's so much fear or there's approval hoarding. Like, I need to show everybody how hard I work. So who do I put on this? And we're not discerning. We haven't thought it through of who really needs to see this. It's not about excluding people off of, you know, communication or jobs or work, right? But who really needs to see this and being really deliberate about that, right? And understanding that the discernment in work emails is important. And the other part is, is that how often are we proving to people that we are working by sending emails? or where people are showing how hard they work by sending emails. And I share those with you, my friend, not because I judge it. That was part of my own story a couple of decades ago. I wanted to prove to my bosses that I worked so hard and I was so committed to the job. I sent a lot of emails between 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. Let me show you how hard I work, right? And then... That contributed eventually to my own email breakdown. I I built this way of being, this conditioning, and was using email this way as a way to get other people's approval, especially in how attentive I could be to answering an email. It's like, oh, look how responsive I am. I need sleep, but let me answer this for you because whether you need it tonight or not, or you won't see it or for a week, I'm going to give it to you because then I'm going to show you how responsive I am. And this is often like at 1030 at night and people on the other end loved how quickly I responded. And I would get feedback. Oh my gosh, Corinne, you're so great. You're responding. Like you respond to my emails right away. Previous person, I didn't get that response from. They loved it. Right. So then that fed into it, fed into my ego, fed into like my worthiness because I was hustling for it. The problem was long-term, I had created a monster problem with email it was not sustainable. I taught people that they could easily access me anytime and would have a chance that I would respond except for a few hours at night while I was sleeping. (laughs) Don't worry. I even had a backup for that. It was like, just in case my Blackberry and then later my iPhone was next to me with the volume on. So if something was really important, I'd wake up to respond, right? And at my breaking point, I resented email. I resented people and I was mad. I didn't like my, I would beat myself up for how I answered something because I would just try to get this email done and I would respond right away. And then later I was like, oh crap, that created more problems for me because I said yes to something I didn't want to say yes to, or maybe I was filled with resentful. So my tone was even, you know, more harsh than it needed to be right? It did not create good working outcomes. (laughs) I, you know, and it took me a long time to realize this. So at this breaking point, I didn't see a way out. 
I had built something that wasn't sustainable. I didn't know about sustainability. I just figured I believed the lie of like, once I get to this, once I get all these emails done, once I get to inbox zero, which never happened, then I can relax, right? It's those lies we tell ourselves so honestly. But it wasn't sustainable and I didn't have a way out. And nor did I think I could change it because here's the problem. I'd built it this way. I'd learned to, this is what I did. This was part of the success. These are the relationships that I built. This is what they expected from me. And I must keep going, except I couldn't. I literally couldn't. The emails were overwhelming. So I believed that I could not change it. And that, my friend, is what we call a limiting belief. And it creates prison walls in our life. It's like, I can't change it. So then what happens in typical human behavior is like, if this is it, we either sustain it and we suck it up and we keep going or we say, screw this shit and we jump ship and we quit, right? It's these like binary choices. And I'm always like with my clients, well, what are some other options, (laughs) right? What are some other options? Let's take some perspective on this. So there are more choices. And what I had to do is one, I needed to really challenge and say, okay, because I'd already built it. I can change it because this isn't working and it's not working for the other people on the other side that I serve who are the people that I work for, right? They may be my customers, my clients, the people I lead, but I also work for them. So there is a partnership in this relationship, right? And I have commitments that I need to honor. And there's also ways of how I want to treat people that's in line with my values. So I had to let go of, I can't change this to What can I build? What can I tweak so that this can be sustainable so that I can serve them and be my most generous self without, and when I say be my most generous self, it doesn't mean that I, a rug and people walk all over me, right? That's what we are taught. That's not true. So the first thing that I did is that I realized, okay, there needs to be boundaries around communication and how I could be reached. And I became clear of what channels of communications and what were they for? Because I knew I needed to survive. And there was a bit of like back up against the wall, survive. So sometimes things have to get so bad before we can start setting boundaries, right? It's very reactionary. But when we don't have those skills, like that, sometimes that's what happens. And over time we can get better about it. It doesn't have to be so harsh, right? But I became really clear. So what I did with the Aqua Monsters is I sent them an email to the community. Because what would used to happen is if they would email me and didn't get an immediate response, because I taught them, you email me, Corinne's going to email you back pretty darn quickly, right? Maybe within five minutes. If they would email me and didn't get a response, then they'd call my cell phone. They'd send me a text. They'd send a Facebook message. So all of a sudden, the same question was now being flowed through many different channels. So the overwhelm and what I had to dig out of was four times more than what it was previously. And this was becoming a problem. So I got really clear, okay, for the aqua monsters, I need to let them know how I structure my day and how I respond. So I taught them that email is the best form of communication. This is the place I go to. I'm constantly checking it, right? Still, I was still constantly checking it, but I'm constantly checking it. And this is the first channel that I check before I go to anything else. When it's fast, you can read through, go through stuff versus listening to somebody talk. It was a fast way to do it. 
And then I said, texts are for personal use. And my expectation is when I receive a text, it's an invitation for lunch or coffee. Like I put some humor in this, right? And that was true. It was like, text is something short. This was my rule. Like it's a yes or no, not because the problem that I have with text is that if I need to think about it and now I've read it, it's not no longer tagged where I can go back to, right? And then I forget about it. So texts are for personal use because then all of a sudden I realized my cell phone needs to be for personal use. And then Facebook, I said, is a playground. And I would tell them, I go, look, I'm there from time to time, but I'm mostly working. And again, this is probably 13, 14 years ago, because back in the day, I was doing a lot of overworking and I didn't play. And I was kind of like, look, Facebook's a playground. I don't play. So if you contact me here, there's a good chance you're not going to get a message, right? I would just advise people to send me an email because that's the best form of communication. And then I would say my home phone is for emergencies. And I got really clear about this. An emergency is not my child left their swimsuit at the pool. That's her email, right? But an emergency that really needs to be dealt with, even if it's at 930 at night. Because some of us have some rules that we have grown up with of you don't call people after nine o'clock at night. You don't call people maybe before either seven, eight or nine in the morning. All those rules kind of got blurred. And it was like either one is I need this information from you right now, right? It could be demanding or I'm going to give this to you because I need to get it off of my to-do list and it's my hot potato I'm going to throw for you. Now you be responsible. Or the other one is not even realizing the impact that's being played out. That could be a generous assumption. So those are examples of how clear is kind. And this is something that I started well before knowing that rule, but it was in this I need to do beyond surviving and it's overwhelming, right? Like, how do I solve this problem? How can I serve the people I lead and also (laughs) handle what's coming in and not stonewall them, right? Because I didn't want to stonewall. So this helped me and this helped me reduce the duplicates of contacts as well as funnel communication in a place that supported me so I could support them. This is really important. We think if we have a boundary, it's I win, you lose right? I'm going to power over you. You're not important. I'm important. No, it's here's what I need so that I can then support you. So then I can work with you. And where's that Venn diagram, right? So that's why, yes, my home phone number can be really important because there can be an emergency and here's what an emergency may be. But other stuff, like let's put it in the email and then work on that, right? So it's not power over, it's work together. And here's the thing is that that didn't solve all the problems because yes, there were the boundary breakers who would text (laughs) and say, you know, yeah, I owe you a coffee and can you do X for me? (laughs) They're like, okay, I know your rules. I'm supposed to invite you to coffee. So I'll just own that. But can you do this for me? It's like such a disregard of your boundary, right? And here's a long story to that about that person, because that relationship didn't end well. At least seven owed coffees later, and then there was a huge betrayal from that person. And so it was a good lesson for me, right? It took like a decade to unveil itself, but it was a really good lesson because we often justify allowing for our boundaries to be broken 
because there's this programming of like, look, if you sacrifice for yourself or if you do this, then they're going to appreciate and give back. (laughs) And people, some people are boundary breakers and they will continue to do that. They may not realize they're boundary breakers, start looking at other areas of their life. Are they consistently doing that? Are they running over people? Are they thinking that the rules don't apply to them? Why would you think that then they will think that the rules will apply to you? That is a question that now I can see very clearly, right? The answer to, but back then I bought into like, oh, I need to do customer service. Okay, fine. You know, we have this little joke, but eventually this person will get it and they'll stop. And that's not what happened. So pay attention to the breakers and the takers. Pay attention to them. If you have email, Slack, Teams, work phone, hopefully you have a separate work phone from a personal phone. Talk to your HR people. They will highly recommend it. But text, whether it's personal or work, what is your preferred method of communication? Maybe you hate email and you like text. There's a somebody I'm doing business with and you know he has taught me. He has said, look, I really suck at email. Text me if you need this. Great. Okay, now I know for him. And so, yes, that makes me responsible to know what are the best ways to interact with people. You guys, we're humans. We all have different nuances. We all have different ways of being. We're not a one size fits all, right? We want people to be their authentic self, but then we're like, oh, you need to simplify. We all need to be the same in how I communicate. Doesn't work that way. We need to have discernment. We can only have discernment if we take care of ourselves so that we can see things more clearly, right? This is why taking care of ourselves is not a selfish act. Little sidebar there. So what is your preferred method of communication? That's one. Then two is what are the expectations from your workplace? This is really important. If they're like, no, no, you need to be everywhere to everything. And if you're not a person that can lead the change of that culture, know that those are the rules that you play this game by. Get really clear. What are the expectations of the workplace? Can you have agency over the direction? Do you lead a team where you can say, hey, look, here's the best way we're working on this project. Here's the best way to access my brain, to reach out and ask me questions so that they know when you know, quote unquote, your office hours are. We teach people how to treat us, right? So when you're in a leadership, you have a little bit more agency to do that versus maybe you're not a leader in your environment, right? But then you can ask the question, what are the expectations and get clarity around that? Like I had a client recently go in and get some clarity around certain expectations. It's really vulnerable. It takes courage, but then it also creates trust because if you're asking, right? And saying, okay, how does this work? And, and your boss is like, oh yeah, that's totally acceptable. There's trust building that goes on. There's vulnerability and trust building. You're getting clear communication. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. You may think, okay, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to do it till I don't get caught. What's the cost to you internally? So what is your preferred method of communication? What are the expectations by the workplace? How can you best support yourself and those you work with? you know, maybe you have a boss who's like, you need to be responsive. You need to be everywhere for everybody. Part of yours is explained to them. And, and it may be a long process. It may take a year. It may take two years, right? Of how you can best support yourself and those you work with. You may not be in a position where you can say, no, this is it, right? It's my way or the highway. And that's what I'm talking about. 
but how you can best support yourself and those you work with. People are not going to like your boundaries. They will not like your boundaries because it's inconvenient for them. Once you get that cleared up, then let people know the best way to get in touch with you. This is you teaching others how to treat you and how you can work best with them and help them keep getting their needs. So it's really important. And then your responsibility is also to show that, look, when I have these boundaries in place, I can deliver and I can do really good work and I can meet deadlines and I can problem solve and I can, you know, work collaboratively with a team and nobody's having to deal with like my resentment or my huffing and puffing and, you know, exasperation or coming into meetings later, you know, leaving meetings or multitasking on meetings, like all that drama and baloney that happens in the workplace that causes us so much extra stress in everything getting done. So that is why it's really important to do this work because you're continuously being clear and you're going to have to continuously, because there's going to be a new employee. You're, we're going to, we're going to start to go back to our old ways of being, right? Especially if you get in a fearful place and go, oh my gosh, you know, I, I could lose my job, <laughs> right? That's so deeply ingrained in all of us. Like there's so much fear. I could lose my job. I better hustle, right? And we start to get out of alignment with the best ways that we can do work. And so we need to go back to that. So that's one way is getting clear about your channels. And then some years later, I also got clear about managing expectations, right? Because when people do go into a channel and maybe, maybe their channels, do they expect you to be Google and immediately give them an answer? They may not even consciously realize that. But again, we are so <laughs> the smartphones, right, have really tapped into our dopamine hit. It's wired for that brain. We feel really good. We have Google. We go to, we have a problem. We go ask the question. We get immediate answer. We need a product. We go to Amazon or Instacart and boom, it can be on your doorstep. I don't know, in a couple of hours, right? This immediacy, like we're very well trained at this point. The problem is, is that there's a human on the other side of this who's also trying to get you know, their work done and trying to manage teams, trying to manage households, family members, aging parents, all of that other stuff. And there's just not space, right? So the other part is really about managing expectations. And this can be solved with an out of office reply. Don't worry, we have a template for you to use for your own workspace. You can download it here in the podcast notes. And here's the thing is, it's a template. It's not a copy and paste. It's not a one size fits all. You're going to have to make it work for you, right? In your workplace. And then again, what are the work rules? But maybe you set it up as only internal communication, right? Maybe you can set it up for it's just you with your team. And I said the word just, but it's you and your team because maybe it wouldn't be acceptable for somebody in the C-suites to give this. Or if you are a C-suite person, somebody like your private equity firm to be okay with receiving this. So that's something you can work on with your IT department. But this template is a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. So the way this template works is you know, because one of the things is that when you train people that you are always available, they will ask you questions because it's easier to ask you a question and make you responsible to think than for them to do their own thinking. Because in their brain is, see, I'm doing something. I'm sending an email, 
but I don't have to be responsible and I don't have any brain juice. And so I'll just kick the football down the email chain, right? So it sets it up of like, thanks for reaching out. There's information of because of overwhelming email demands, here are the answers to the 10 most frequently asked questions, right? If your question, it refers to one of these, please consider your email answered. If not, I'll respond back at such and such. So that's the general framework. And again, we'll have the template where you can download it. Here's the thing. This is what I learned about people. Those who respected boundaries said, Karen, that was brilliant. I know you're inundated with lots of emails. I, you know, I can only imagine that was brilliant. Yay, you. <laughs> they were just celebrating it. They're there to support me. They're celebrating it. Then there were those who their attachment to their worthiness was my response, right? Because we're taught this. They were so excited because they got a quick response, but then they were so disappointed because it was an email autoresponder, right? And that was really, they were, they were like, wow, I was so excited and then so disappointed. And then there are those who hated boundaries. And those are the ones who called or texted me. It's like, I have Corinne's cell phone. Because over time, I started learning, don't give out my cell phone. So it's like, I have Corinne's cell phone. It wasn't even call her landline. It was like, I have her cell phone. I'm going to call her straight. I'm gonna, I have the bat line. I'm going to call her straight. Here's the thing. I thought about this. After 13 years later, those people who would call or text me to try to get around the autosponder, guess what? They're no longer in my life. It's not because I cut them out, right? It's not because I ended anything. It was they got what they needed and they moved on, right? And it's what Adam Grant calls, he talks about the givers and the takers. They're the takers, right? They took and they took. And here's the unfortunate thing. We've been taught in life and especially in business that, look, if you're of service to others and you know, and you just deplete yourself and if you're of service, you're going to get back. We need to pay attention. We need to pay attention and have discernment because as Maya Angelou says, pay attention because people show you who they are. It's an incredible, like just like case study, right? Of those who got around it. And we're not talking about emergencies. We're talking about they got around it because they didn't like getting that autoresponder. They were a person of importance and they needed to go beyond it. And there were those who, you know, originally broke the boundary and I had to teach them and say, remind them like, hey, can you send me an email or in the future? Or I would respond back. Like they may text me and I would respond back. I prefer to keep Aquamonsters communications and emails. That way we have a thread going here. Thank you so much. And then over time, they may make a mistake a few times, right? We, we need to give people grace, or at least that's my belief. But then they, that was how they, they communicated with me moving forward. Those are the people who are givers and takers and who are going to work on having a relationship with you versus who are just going to take you and suck you dry and get what they need from you. So here's the thing. That email auto response was a mirror for what other people believed. If one gauged their importance to me via how quickly I responded, they were extremely upset. If one thought it was brilliant because they could understand I was inundated with email, they loved it and trusted I would respond when I could, or that my autoresponder gave them the answer they were looking for, which was also fantastic because they got the answer they needed and quickly. 
We all need focus time to do work. There's a lot pulling on our brains each day. Each distraction costs us 20 minutes to get back to being focused. Having boundaries supports me and those that I work with, those that I serve, right? Those that I lead. And the same for you. Since then, since I've done those experiments, I've shared, you know, with clients over the years, this template to use as their own email boundary. And now you have the opportunity. So just because we don't have training on how to communicate via email, right? It's not something that we went to school that wasn't part of our education, right? And just because the news cycle went to 24 seven, and just because Google is always available at all hours of the day and night, doesn't mean you're supposed to replicate that in your response time back to people. Yes, we work in teams. Yes, we have clients, we have patients, we have customers, we have supply chains, right, etc. But it's unreasonable to think that we can be there for others all the time. Yes, we have responsibilities. And what we need to consider is what systems do we need to set up so we can honor the responsibilities and use our brain juice to its highest power. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wide awake.